This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Basically. My name is Stephanie Preisner. I am your host and today I have with me Father Hugh, who is here as part of our I guess you'd call it a religious series of podcasts where we're looking at different world religions, what they mean, and and if someone had never heard of them before, how would you kind of sell it to them? Father Hugh, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Uh, Not at all, Steph. It's lovely to be here and lovely to have an opportunity uh, to share something about what's the most important thing in my life. I'm very, very happy. It's going to be a difficult one because I was raised in the Catholic faith and so I know a certain amount about it already, so I'm going to pretend that I don't. Um... So, so where do you think we should start? For me, look, I, for me, the Catholic faith is the most revolutionary thing that happened. Not so much specifically the Catholic faith, but Christianity, I'd better start. Yes. Because really and truly, we're, as Christians, we all follow Jesus Christ. And for me, you know, he changed the world. You know, he set off a revolution. He brought a new reality into our world. And for me, what his central message was... Uh, to bring the love of God to the people of the world, to teach us to love one another. And that, for me, is a central aspect of our Christian faith. And I, I think everything else springs from that. And even without that, everything else falls apart. And do you, when was the first time that you dis, you became aware of your vocation? Well, look, I, 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 I just to give you a small little background to myself. Look, I obviously joined the seminary at a certain stage when I was still a teenager or a late teenager. Anyway, I joined the seminary and and I wanted to do good for people. I wanted to help people. I had this idea to do, you know, that I could, um, you know, make an impact on the world, as people will say nowadays. Um, but but I, I, I followed my faith as I knew it then. Okay. And look, I went to mass naturally. I said my prayers in the seminary. I did all the things that um, we had to do. Follow the rules, if I like to use that word. Although I don't like expressing it in that way. But at a certain stage, a couple of years into the seminary life, I began to have questions. I began to see that the life that I was living in the seminary with its regulations and rules and the life that I was reading about in the early church, about the life of love and the communion of the apostles together and the commitment that they had to one another and to to bringing their faith to others, didn't seem to parallel with each other, didn't seem consonant with what I was reading. And so I began to... Uh, criticise everything. Right. Literally everything. Uh, I did like all what f- kinds of things? Well, I mean, we had to wear, we had to wear black at certain times with the, you know, with the black satan, we had that back at that time. And also little rules and regulations about other things, even though some of the, some of the way in which prayers were, were, were formulated, um, some of the things that I considered then to be stupid in the seminary, regulation restrictions, because obviously at that stage I was in my 20s and I was being treated as a five-year-old because obviously you couldn't leave without a key. We didn't have keys. We were treated in that sense as if we weren't adult. Okay. And so was it like yes. a rebellion or was it more yes. like doubting Thomas? Just it questioning. Was, it, well, I would just say it was more like both, I'd say. I, I was... Um, I won't say there was a doubt. I was still committed to what I was doing about okay. my faith. 
uh, it was more rebellion against, uh, as I saw at that stage, the expression of it. Right. And, but at that stage, and, and for me, what was a momentous thing for me is at that stage, there was a priest in the seminary at the time who actually brought in two girls to talk about their life. Okay. And they shared how they had discovered the love of God in their lives who gave them a new way of looking at the world, which transformed everything for them and that everything could be overcome by love. They quoted a phrase by Virgil, omnia vincit amor, which means love conquers all. And that, and did that, that, un- that, that stopped the sort of rebellion or did that that-, that? that transformed my life because suddenly I had an answer to all my questions. Suddenly, well also as well, perhaps I received a, a, received a special moment of, if you want to use the word conversion, a special grace at that moment, really to see my life and everything suddenly was turned upside down. Because suddenly from being someone who was criticising and condemning everything, suddenly I realised I am part of this. This is my world and I can transform this. I have to be the first person to begin this revolution in the same way that Jesus was the first person who began his revolution in his time. And so my challenge now is to bring the love that I have discovered, the love of God that I have experienced. I've got to bring that to other people. And, be- and beginning in the seminary, of course. Of course. But it, so if, if love conquers all and God is love, yes. then... What, what, why have you chosen this? Because different religions have different gods and they also believe that God is love. Yes. What is it about this Catholic or Christian Christian faith what, as you understand it? Uh, well, the first thing is that when you discover that God is love, then your, wor- then your view on the world changes. Then suddenly everything... You see everything in the sense that nothing happens by chance. Everything is an expression of God's love in one way or another. Like if I come, the very fact of me coming in here today, for example, is for me a moment that God has arranged for me in his own way. Right? If I go out and I meet somebody on the street that I know, God arranged for, them, or God arranged for me to meet them and whatever. So every, everything that happens is an expression of that love. And so therefore my whole life becomes in a way, an adventure, a divine adventure, living out this love in different expressions in what is. Every person becomes, as the gospel says, you know, um, whatever you do to the least, you do to me. And so therefore, every person I meet, in somehow or other, comes someone that I can actually bring the love of God to and uh, care for them in whatever particular way or um, they need. How do you then, uh, I guess, not justify, but explain the sort of atrocities that happen no matter what scale whether it's somebody you know dying early from a disease that was ravaging them or what's happening in Afghanistan or you know institutional issues like how, how do they become manifestations of God's love Yes, exactly. It's it's you're dead right. It's very difficult to explain, you know, to, to somebody who is going through a great suffering. Someone who, you know, for example, if someone has a has a family member who's dying of cancer, or for example, a young couple who who maybe loses their child through miscarriage or maybe caught dead or something. It's really difficult to to explain God's love to those people, um, but. For me and for them, even though they do not see it, 
I believe that God's love is present in some way. Look, of course there are tragedies that happen. To say that God's love is present in, in a terrorist who kills, uh, you know, 50 people in a nightclub or whatever it might be in a train station, that God planned that or whatever, that obviously doesn't make sense. For me, uh, uh, of course God doesn't want that to happen. Uh, but obviously there are people in the world, God gave us free will. He allows us to do what we like. He gives us the freedom to make choices. And some people make the wrong choices. And some people are led down the wrong path. And that's the way it is in the world. Uh, look, And these are people who actually, uh, you know, create havoc in our world, destroy the lives of others. Uh, but there are also even people in those circumstances, you know, whenever wars happen, as you know, people come back injured and mutilated in so many situations. Look, you know, they have to, in some way or other, rediscover their lives and to discover God's love. I mean, just give an example. Um, you know, a number of years ago, I, I just uh, this is a story I actually came across and I was looking at something this morning. Um, I forget the guy. There's, there's a policeman in Bristol. Um, I forget his name now, but um, <clears throat> he was actually there was a bank. He was a policeman, and a bank robbery took place in Bristol. This is sometime in the late nineteen eighties. He um, he ran after the robber, who shot after him, and hit him in the eye. Uh, he lost his eye, and as a result of his injuries, wasn't able to go back to being a policeman. But he was committed Christian, and he began realizing that look. He said, obviously, his attacker was eventually arrested, convicted and sentenced to prison. But he began to realise that, look, he felt a responsibility for this attacker. He recovered. He got back on his feet in some way, even though he couldn't go back to work. He sent a Christmas card to this guy in prison, identifying himself and telling him that he didn't hold any resentment towards him. Mm -hmm. As a result of that, the two of them eventually were able to meet up. They be eventually became good friends. The, the policeman spoke at this man's parole hearing in due course. He was released and he's now working in London uh, to help young offenders, people who are actually in danger of falling into crime themselves, the same guy. Um, I, I'll think of the name of the guy in a minute, but look, if you Google at Bristol, so if you could find it. But anyway, but it's, what I'm just thinking is that, that situations where there is suffering and where there is then can be transformed. You know, um, I can transform my situation. Yes, things can happen. I can, get, I can go home and I can, get a, I can get, be in an accident and I can be disabled for the rest of my life. But, you know, uh, if that happened, that maybe happened because some driver was drunk. Mm -hmm. which means that God didn't plan that. But it means that how I deal with it is another question. So I can see that as if my life is destroyed and I can, you know, whatever, go into uh, despair. But if I see it also as an opportunity from God, maybe to see how I can begin my life. And there's so many people who have done this, who have, you know, we, we, when you see with the... Um, with the Special Olympics, people who've been able to transform the suffering that they've gone through, mm -hmm. you know, and um, reinvent themselves, if the word is. You know, there's different ways looking. I see the same thing sometimes with people with illness. You know, some people who get illness or whatever. And those you know, illnesses, like when you say that the driver might have been drunk so it wasn't God's plan, it's yes. illness that then can stump people where it's like, well, this isn't an accident 
how 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 can I justify this or how can I understand how can I see God in this needless suffering that yes. is nobody's fault yeah. and I think when people have anger or sadness without a focus without someone to blame it can be quite toxic for them very much so yes very much so uh, of course we can say that look God caused this illness but the illness can also be as you know there is in all of us we are all prone some of us are more prone to illnesses than others some are prone to certain illness some to cancer perhaps some to yeah. uh, MS or whatever so uh, we could say that even in part of human nature there is a mortality which leads to illness. We can say it's God's fault, but it may just be simply to, to, to do with my genes. So it's also maybe kind of shifting your focus to God has not caused this, but God is something that is there yeah, to yes. help me yes. cope in the same way that like yes. nettles exist. Yes. But maybe God is the fact that dock leaves are always next to the nettles yeah. to help you cope with the stuff. <laughs> That's a lovely, <laughs> lovely town. I grew up in the country, so I'm very familiar with nettles and dock leaves, really. Uh, uh, but um, <clears throat> of course, that, that is true. I mean, uh, there isn't always a way of sanitizing, of course, and curing illnesses, as you know, uh, like the nettles and the dock leaves. Um, and but there is another aspect of Christianity which impinges on this and that is for me Christianity in a way Jesus died through suffering when the son of God came into the world he actually redeemed the world through suffering you know God chose I'm sure God could have found a million ways to redeem the world to transform the world but he chose to go to the cross right he he freely chose which means that uh, suffering is intrinsically linked with Christianity. In fact, uh, yeah. there's an intrinsic link with being a Christian and suffering. That suffering actually is um, has has a new meaning. How it's do you no feel longer, about that? It no longer has no longer an absurdity or something that we can never explain, even though we cannot explain it. Yeah. But in somehow or other. Through, through the life of Jesus we can see that it has a new meaning because Jesus chose this path it means that we also can see in perhaps in our suffering a way that that suffering in some way or other contributes in, to the renewal of the world in some way now but that is something you can only see through faith and um, and not everybody, obviously, in fact, funny enough, I was reading an article that appeared in The Guardian a few years ago about Christianity being only for losers. <laughs> that was the headline. Why? Christianity is because basically uh, Jesus was a loser. He was a total failure. Like, in other words, he was rejected. Nobody accepted him. He's, um, and uh, he died on the cross, uh, both abandoned by the world and abandoned by God. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, why he's left a fair legacy for a loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but of course, he was a loser on the cross. But of course, the resurrection transformed everything. Yeah. Yes. Um, but we don't. Re- I mean, he resurrected. Like, do you take and maybe we're going conceptually a little because we both understand the Christian faith. Yes. Yes. Um, Let's yeah, let's go back because I want to ask you about the resurrection. But maybe we should go back if nobody knew anything about Christianity. Let's talk about the players who's involved, where they started and how it got to be where it is. So before Christianity, what did we have? Just 
different tribes and pagans. Before Christianity, where well, we had Judaism, for example, of course. Okay, you know, yeah. I mean, also predated by other religions, you know, um, uh, to a certain extent, Hinduism, Buddhism, all predate Christianity, yes. Okay. Yes. So then Jesus is born. Yes. Is that kind of the start of it? Even though, like, so Mary well, only becomes the Virgin Mary because Jesus is born, right? The players right. are only... Yes. Yes. Well, I, I mean, the Jewish scriptures or the Old Testament, as we call them, um, I mean, they all prophesy, they prophesy the arrival of a Messiah. Okay, so God... Sorry, yes. Sorry, this is actually the first time I realised this. So God existed before Jesus. Yes. Jesus was the son of God. Was, And in the Jewish texts, he's a... He's just a prophet, not just a prophet, but he yeah. is. We don't see him as a prophet, do uh, the we? The Jewish texts don't really know. They, they present him as a prophet or as somebody that's coming who's going to inaugurate a new era okay. for them. That is what the Jewish texts say. right? And that's uh, our Old Testament. Yeah, and that's the Old Test, our Old Testament. And, and that is still the Jewish texts. I mean, and we accept all the Old Testament. We've accepted the Jewish, the Jewish scriptures. Um, but and then uh, Christianity is born. Jesus comes into the world and God chooses Mary and he asks Mary. And is that where we diverge from the Jewish faith? We diverge from the Jewish faith, you know, because Jesus, if you like, Jesus comes into the world as a Jew. Okay. And lives as a Jew all his life. Okay. Um, But... Jesus completes Judaism, if you want to. I would say as a Christian, he brings, you know, because Jesus is God and therefore he is the fullness of revelation. He brings because God reveals God more, whereas the prophets of the Jewish prophets will only partially reveal certain aspects of. Okay. But for for me, um, Jesus completes the Jewish uh, Jewish um, scriptures and therefore reveals God fully as he is. And therefore, he re- the first thing about, about Christianity is that Jesus reveals God as a trinity. Uh, and this for us is momentous okay. because... Um, so he reveals that God is God, God, God Father, God, Son, Father, Son and, and Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Which means that effectively the God that I believe in is a family. And therefore, is a God of love. And therefore, if if God lives in love, then we that becomes the basis for 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 society in the world that we are made in the image of God. And therefore, we are invited to live in that love. It becomes the basis for all social activity. That we too are invited to live this love in our families, in our communities, in our world. You know, whatever it is, that this is the the model for Christian life. In fact, funnily enough, if Hegel is 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 Hegel, who wouldn't have been known as the most committed Christian, is known for saying that um, without the Trinity, Christianity is nothing. Okay, so that's what differentiates Christianity from the yes. other religions, the it's Holy one, Trinity. It, yeah, it's it's one of the one of the basics. It's a, the, the distinguishing factors. Really, whatever that would dis- dis- di- would di- differentiate from, say, from Judaism, from Islam, uh, Hinduism, for example. Yes. Okay. So then, Jesus. So Jesus completes Judaism yes. by uh, and by kind of forming his own religion, which yes. is to become Christianity. And so, let's presume everyone around him at the time is a Jew, and then he has these twelve apostles yes. who are like, actually, I'm going to go with you, and we're going to do this new religion, yes. which is called Christianity. And then um, he is 
because this is new and this is revolutionary and this is this is seen as rebellion, he is persecuted by the king who is remind me by King Herod by King Herod, Herod right? Yeah. Yes, yes, and Herod. I always get Herod and Pontius Pilate and mixed Pontius up. Pontius Pilate is the Roman governor, yes. Right, you're, okay. doing fine, you're doing fine. Roman governor. Session, yes. So Pontius Pilate is yes. like, kill that guy. Yes. And Pontius Pilate is like, I'll send my people out to look for him too. Right, yes. And then, so there's this... And so he ends up getting crucified, yes. yes. Yeah, but he's he's also betrayed by some of his friends he's before that. He's betrayed by Judas, yes, one of his, um, one of his followers. Yes. One of his followers. Yes. Rats him out yes. to the guys yes. who then capture him. Then they're... So he is killed, but these 12 apostles and particularly four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, say like, you're not going to have died in vain. We're going to tell everyone what you were like. And um, one of them starts the first church. Is that Paul? Well, Well, look, um, (laughs) you know, when did you when after Jesus dies? Yeah. After Jesus dies, he appears to the apostles. Obviously, is that in it, the resurrection? Yeah, no. After, yeah. after the resurrection, he he appears on the on the on the Easter morning, the first Easter morning, right? We, he died a Good Friday, he and he appeared then uh, on Easter morning, um, and continued to appear to the um, apostles and to the early community for a period of time. But he was these were sorry he he these were like apparitions. Like he wasn't yes. actually back what like he wasn't alive again well he was he wasn't um, as in there's no wasn't second back in as normal yes because okay. obviously he was resurrected now however he was he could go through walls and they found him in all sorts of places uh, different places so obviously um, he was only appearing for a short time and disappearing that, that's yes. what the gospel point out you know, to guide the people to, yes. to, to what they were meant yeah. to do and, and, and also I think more importantly really to let the apostles see because they had also seen his they had seen his crucifixion and so to let his followers know look this is truly me yes look I am truly risen he wanted people to be aware to be aware of that because and this is the extraordinary thing that look when you consider that all the apostles just ran away when he was arrested or whatever and Peter Peter denied him three times and Judas betrayed him and Thomas refused to believe because he unless I put my fingers in his um, in In the the wounds in the wounds yeah and so he needed to reconvince them and make them aware look I have this is I have truly risen and then after he went back to it was ascended to heaven the Holy Spirit came which gave new fire and vigour to the apostles so who was the Holy sorry what, what how did the Holy Spirit come then? The Holy Spirit came down upon them at Pentecost, uh, which is celebrated 50 days after Easter Sunday. Okay, so uh, and he uh, yes. died, he was resurrected, and then he ascended, ascended into heaven, back to heaven and yes. the Holy Spirit came then down. And the Holy Spirit came down the Apostle, which for them was really effectively the moment when the church was born. Okay. You know, even though you might say it was born when Jesus died on the cross, right? Because Jesus died on the cross, there was Mary and John and Mary Magdalene underneath the cross who represented, you know, those few followers who had remained faithful. Yeah. And, but it really began on, um, on that Pentecost Sunday when the apostles, Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles and transformed them from being timid and afraid to being fearless preachers. Okay. And, and from that moment, they went out into the world and were ready to face any challenge. They brought the gospel right initially throughout Israel and then later throughout the, the known uh, Roman Empire. OK, so so then um, 
And that would have been the, the birth, that for us was really the birth of a church. Because, for, you know, for the church, actually, we would, I mean, Jesus mentions the church in the Gospels. And he mentions the formation of a church. He mentioned that he wanted, because um, it, the church was the continuation, continuation of his work. While I have you here, and I have your captive attention, I want to let you know that if you are a basically supporter, if you are a Headstuff Plus member, I have an opportunity for you. So from now on, I want to change how my show was introduced. Usually I say, hello and welcome to Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner, and today in studio I have, you know that bit, you've heard it all. From now on, I want a different podcast supporter to introduce my show because I really am grateful to the people who support the podcast. They mean that, you know, their five euro a month means that I can have a producer working full time on the show and it's just, I really, really am grateful. So I'm going to give you an address and I want you to send a voice note that says, hi, my name is Mary and I'm a Headstuff supporter and the reason I like listening to the show is because blah 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 you are listening to Basically and then I'll come in. So what I want you to do is send your voice note to www.speakpipe.com forward slash basically. That's speak S-P-E-A-K pipe P-I-P-E dot com forward slash basically. And when you go to that site what comes up basically is this uh, this big button that says start recording and you just record directly into that and then it gets sent to us and then you will be introducing the show. Thank you so much for your support. The World According to Wikipedia is a podcast that pops the hood of Wikipedia and invites you to take a look inside. Each episode we will talk to someone from the Wikimedia community on topics like why are only 18% of biographies about women? Can editing Wikipedia be a protest or activism? And what is it like for the communities working on the 200 plus Wikipedias that are not in English? Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. So if we're talking about Christianity, there are like several, I'm sorry if I'm wrong here, but it's are Protestant is Protestantism Christianity as well? Yes, and like Pentecostal evangelical. Yeah, yes, these are all Christian Christians. I mean, we could start off. You know, um, Protestant would would include. I mean, for example, uh, members of the Church of Ireland, the Anglican Church, Lutheran Church, um, Presbyterian Church, uh, Pentecostals, um, so many others. Uh, Congregational Congregation Church, the Methodist Church, for example. So there are many, many Christian churches. And, so and of course, the Orthodox Church, who are mostly in the East and in Russia, for example, you know, they are also sadly we're divided. That is something which, you know, we're only waking up in the last 50 years, 50, 60 years to the need to find a way to draw back together. And all the Christian faiths. All for all Christian faiths. And look, it will come. That is my earnest hope. But look, it'll take a while, you know. Um, when we spoke to the imam, he told us about, um, you know, the, I'm going to say rules, but I know you've already said that's yeah. not, but I don't know a different word. But yeah. the, the the rules that Muslim people live by, for example, praying five times a day, facing yeah. Mecca, the Hajj that they have to do, the traveling to Mecca. Yeah. What are the sort of rules, expectations? I don't really know the word that um, Christian people are yes, are asked to live by. Yeah, well, look, Christian people are asked to live. I would say, listen, as you know, we have always had the Ten Commandments, which come from the Jewish scriptures. 
Yes, and, and and in in a sense, they have become um, part of the life of a Christian. But but for me, the most important commandment is the one I mentioned earlier, when Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. It is by this that people will know that you are my disciples. So in other words, if we are called as Christians to have this love for one another, for each person, whoever they might be, to open their hearts to all, to reach out with love to every person from whatever background, from whatever cultural situation, from whatever country, we're asked to have this love for all. That is the most important thing of, of, of Christianity. That's the first thing. Um, and that becomes the basis of everything else. I felt, I feel like, so I was raised Christian and I I have a faith now that's yes. quite strong, but I would describe myself as religious-ish. Yes. Like I don't and when I was speaking to the Imam and yeah. I know several Muslims and they do pray five times a day yes. and they do always know where Mecca yes. is and right. like geographically. Yes. Do you feel like Christianity has become a little bit loose? Like I can't tell you what the Ten Commandments are. Obviously, thou shalt not kill. I don't do that. Yes. Thou shalt not steal. I don't do that. Yeah, I okay. can't really. Right. Fair enough. Okay. But I'm not well, living in the way that yeah, other, yeah. you know. Well, look, I, I would say there is in itself Christianity is a loose, has a looseness from the very beginning okay. because Jesus said yes he proposed the other commandments he said look you, you know you shall not kill you shall whatever he proposes them and he proposes them as, as part to all the, to his disciples but he said this is my commandment and this underpins everything else and so what actually happens is is when I if I believe in the love of God and if it's something that I want to live by then everything falls into place then naturally if I want then naturally I don't want to murder other people because yeah. obviously you know I, I, I'm asked to love that person and care for them as, as, as my brother or as my sister and whatever and the same applies to everything else St. Augustine has a phrase in which he says love and do what you will in other words love gives you a freedom whatever and and that's really and nice so like you can do what you want but yes. love comes for like love and then do whatever you want yes, if you're doing you know, that you know you know do what you want well obviously within it doesn't mean to say you can go out you know and do what you like well uh, if you're doing it from a basis of love you kind of can you're, that's right you can't and that, and that is it's a, it's a lovely way of, of of because there is a looseness about Christianity from the very beginning do you think uh, that's because Jesus was coming yes. like felt like he needed to and sorry for my verbiage here but he felt like he needed to adapt yes Judaism from yes. what he was experiencing and then with the influence of God and what he was being told by God it yeah. was becoming looser yeah well I, I, I personally think that he wanted to bring out the, the, the revolutionary nature of 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 what of his revelation of what he was bringing into the world and because for example if for example we open our hearts and have that love for people that means not only will we not kill them you know because to a certain extent the commandments are a little bit negative like yeah. you don't do this and don't do that and don't do the other you understand yes. whereas in fact Christianity has a more positive impact it is not only if you love that means not only if I if I ha have a genuine love for the people of the world, then that means I will be ready to share. I will be do what the gospel says, you know, to give and I will and I will receive. Right. Um, I will be ready not only not not only to not kill, but not even speak badly about anyone, but speak well of people mm -hmm. and encourage people and reach out, you know, because this is something that, that goes back to the gospel. We are invited and this is something from Christianity as well. 
that Jesus said. And, and I think perhaps, you know, something that maybe Christians, maybe a lot of Christians haven't latched on to. And that is that she, we have the, the Christian scriptures, the Gospels. And, and while we learn from them and study them, above all, we're asked to live by them. And so we're asked to live, which means love of neighbour. We're asked uh, to love everyone, to love our neighbour, uh, you know, to even to love our enemies. Uh, we're asked in this way that the Gospels are something to be lived in our, uh, to be lived every day in our life. And by living the Gospels, then we become more like Christ. And if we're like that, that means, look, that means we will share. That means there will be no more wars in the world if Christians can live like this. Right? Yes, there are no more. Uh, that means that also there'll be no hungry people in the world because obviously we will share from our from our uh, abundance with those who have none. Uh, in the, and 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 by the same token, in every other area of life, we will do everything we can, you know, to alleviate the needs, the issues that other people have, and help them in every way we can. Uh, and so, uh, this is where the base of the revolution uh, of the gospel um, it can be lived. That's quite powerful. Um, yeah. when, I mean, it's very powerful when you when you yeah. kind of put it like that. And there are yeah. moments I know in my faith where like all of a sudden something becomes revealed to me again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I do actually. I feel much happier in myself when I am yeah. when I'm just being nice to people yeah. like it, yeah. it feels better. But, you know, sometimes having the yeah. magnanimity to be nice to people who are not being nice yeah. to me. Yeah. It's hard. You know, we can forget um, when mm. we spoke to the imam and sorry to keep bringing it back but that's the last yes, yes. Um, religion that we studied like that we that I interviewed in this podcast he talked about how Muslims across the world are very upset and distressed at how extremists have co-opted their language and stolen their language and you know tarnished it from the actual meaning of it and when I hear you talking about God is love and yeah. how Christian Christians are asked. Yes. Um, I am reminded of a lot of friends of mine who have turned away from the church because of yeah. s- atrocities that have happened within the Catholic Church that yes. are so disaligned from what Jesus, what the Gospels ask of us. How do you feel? I'm not asking you to be the voice of, of well, that. No, well, but listen, well, no, listen, look, I'm very happy to, to answer. And you, you're dead right to bring it up, Stephanie, because, look, you know, it's it's horrific and it's shocking that it should have happened. And among people who are supposed to be careful children and look after them and protect them, yeah. have them in the very ones who are actually taking away their dignity and destro- literally destroying their lives. Yes. Look, it's horrific and there's no there's no way of actually justifying it. You can only simply call by what it is. It is a, a horrific crime against the, those people. And um, I'm not going to in any way. I'm just simply going, simply going to say that, listen, look, it's, 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 part, it's going to be part of our history that we're going to have to live with. I think it was you know. that. I think it's, I just don't know that religion and power yes. are sort of uh, compatible. Yes. Like that. Yes. Religion is like someone's personal faith and how they yes. live. And if you give, yes. if you give someone power simply because of their religion, yes, it can right. corrupt them. Very much so. Well, I mean, that's the statement of is it? Is it Plato says that power corrupts? No, them. Stephanie Prizner says it. Oh, is that <laughs> yeah, right? no, is that right? Plato, I think, did yeah. or one of them, Aristotle, well, whichever one said that. Um, and 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 that, that may be true. I think it may well be true that look, um, um, you know. Uh, priests in you know maybe going back a few years had a lot more power and but maybe I mean 
I would say, instead of using the word power, I'd say influence in families and in people's yeah. lives. And we're much more deeply trusted, you know, totally trusted by families and by people. And that's why the pain is all the more, because, you know, families look back and they look back at how they allowed their children to be in the company of these people, really, whatever, thinking that they were safe, thinking yeah. that they, were, they couldn't be in any safer place. And yet, how, 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 um, how sadly and how deeply they were betrayed, you know. And, um, and uh, that's why uh, this is a terrible atrocity, because, you know, it's not only the children who say, but it's also their parents and families who feel, you know, whatever. And of course, obviously, by extension, family and friends as well, you know. So, And when you said earlier on that, um you see, or, or, or that the the Trinity, you see it as as family. Yes. How how do you feel about the role of like what is asked the huge ask of priests that they that they remain celibate that they don't that they take a vow of poverty and that they can't have families themselves. Uh, do you think that yeah, needs to yeah, change? No, or? no. Uh, listen, I I think I I personally think that you know Jesus intended us to be. You know, Jesus himself didn't marry. Yeah. And in fact, you know, uh, you know, Mary, we understand that Mary remained a virgin. So we understand that in a certain sense that he has almost, to a certain extent, uh, highlighted this aspect of his life. Without necessarily, there are a few quotes in the gospel where he does highlight it, but he doesn't say a lot. Um, my understanding is that from the beginning, the early church began to live like this. And in fact, even in the first councils of Nicaea, which was about 325. Okay. There were obviously people were failing in different areas and there were quite heavy sanctions for people. What was the Council of Nicaea? It was there, took place about 325. Short, just at the, just at the end of the period of persecution, of the um, okay. persecution. And uh, it was basically a council to... Of Christian people, of of bishops mostly. Okay. Of 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 Christian bishops, uh, with about three hundred bishops from all over the world at it, who actually looked at issues that needed to be looked at in the same way as they look at issues that might come up at the present time. Right? Yeah. But even then, uh, they actually prescribed certain sanctions for people who were failing to live up to this way. Okay. Right, or whatever. So from the very beginning, it was something, you know, uh, whatever. Of course it is. A of course, I, I mean, it would be lovely to, be, to have a family. It's a very beautiful thing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, to have a wife, or have a family or whatever. Um, but again, to take on celibacy, and, and I say also, personally, it's not always easy. I know it's yeah. difficult at times, but it only makes sense from the point of view of faith in the love of God. That I feel that, look, that God has called me to this and he invites me, you know, to make this little sacrifice out of love. Right? Yeah. In the same way that, in a way, we might say that Jesus, you know, dying on the cross was something mad. Yeah. Right? You could say, listen, look, like, why would he do this? Right. Yeah. And and that's only explainable from the point of view of that he wanted, you know, it's only that it was out of love for all of humanity that he wanted to do this. To a certain extent, uh, you know, I make this uh, make this commitment also out of love in order and also as well, you know, you know, maybe just to, to pass a normal human family in order to create uh, a more extensive family. 
because extensive power family with among with other priests and extensive family with people in the parish because this is a beautiful thing that I that I, that I have is that people are in spite of the, what you mentioned earlier about the terrible tragedy of the scandals that we've just gone through right mm-hmm. you know it's amazing how open and wonderful people are and um, the, the tremendous privilege you have of entering into the lives of people, into their homes, into their problems, into their issues, into all that they are, their, sometimes their, their worries, their issues, all of that. Sometimes they share with you things that they will never share with anybody yeah, else. Yeah. And, and so this is a tremendous privilege and, a, and an amazing gift you know, uh, as a priest, also as well in confession as well, which again is a difficult sacrament, but also difficult for people, but also maybe one of the most beautiful ones because, you know, to be able to help people to put the past behind and yes. to see the joy that maybe some people have of maybe haven't been able to, you know worrying about something for, for many years and be able to go out walking on air is such a privilege mm-hmm. uh, so in a way you know being able to do it I'm not saying I couldn't do it maybe if I had a wife but, but to a certain extent I've also got to, to make room in my life even as it is I don't even have enough time to, you know, I mean, there isn't half enough time in the day for all the people that I really want to see or I would like to reach out to. You know, people who have been bereaved, people who have other issues, wherever the elderly, sick, housebound, all sorts of people like that. There's so many, you know, funerals that need, and um, and it's really it's a lo- it's lovely to be able to see them. Yes, it's challenging and it's difficult and it's tiring as well, but it's also really beautiful. So you think it was part of you know, a, a greater plan for f- knowing that, like, yes, with yes. the dist- I'm going to call it a distraction, a distraction yes. of family. Yeah, well, that the it, church it, it, wouldn't I, have. I, I can't say that because yes. I think of all the other families, you know, to say, you know, but you look, it has its moment because, like, when a couple are getting married, you know, husband will be getting married, they don't say, oh, listen, look, they don't want to say walking up the aisle that oh God, dear, that we should have choose that man there or that or that woman, you know, they're committed to the to yes. the people that they're in and love with. And you've made a commitment. Yeah, they made a commitment, and then in to say, I'm not saying that there aren't times when look of course you'd, you know it'd be lovely to be married and with husbands and wives you know sometimes when they you know they allow the relationship maybe to draw apart a little bit then suddenly challenges come in and maybe they think maybe we made a mistake and maybe the next door neighbour's wife is much nicer now do you know what I mean yes. or whatever and naturally look um, there are challenges but I notice that you know whenever you lose touch or maybe you stop praying or maybe maybe things go wrong things are not so perfect and things go wrong suddenly you maybe you begin to you know to wonder then and maybe then the world begins to intrude but for me it's um it's a beautiful challenge to try and um to be to be available you know to have a heart that embraces the whole world and each person and to be there for them in some way or other in whatever little way you can assist them and can i ask you on the kind of technical side of things again so there's no um doctrine or or request that Christians pray a certain amount of times a day or attend mass every single day or is that something and we've just not done it yeah generally speaking um obviously um now there's there's no rules and regulations as such. I mean, obviously people are obviously are invited to ten mass every every Sunday. Yes, right, and that even goes back to the New Testament. I mean, there's even a phrase from the Book of Saint James which says, you know, we encourage you to meet together every Sunday. Uh, 
uh, and not stay away as some people do. Right, right, okay. and that's in that's in the in in the early church. So obviously, even back in, then, even back <laughs> then, you know, and even yesterday, uh, yesterday's gospel, you know, tells a story of people walking away from Jesus. Right, yeah, that, that, this is intolerable. They said we can't. Who could accept this? And so they walk away. So obviously, things have never been perfect. If you want to use that expression, yeah. Um, but people are, in terms of prayer, it's not so much even prayer. It's in terms people can do their private prayers at home. Mm-hmm. But what is really important, I think, for Christianity, is that is coming together. Is to come together to be that family, to celebrate the family, to celebrate that love we have, and celebrate that love for God, mm-hmm. to, to share together. Because when we come together, and this is a really important uh, thing about our faith, which we might have uh, uh, to just to maybe maybe mention, and that is when we come together, we believe that Jesus is present among us. Even if we don't invite him in in an active yeah. prayer way. Well, if we not, but when we come together, like when do we live in you now? Because it just says that Jesus says, "For two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them." Okay. And so when there is this, I mean, when we when we we try to you know to reach out in love for one another, to care for one another, Jesus is present in that love, and therefore His presence touches our hearts. Not only enriches us, but anyone that comes there feels touched by that love mm-hmm. and encouragement and feels enriched from their lives and maybe discovers their fate. Yeah, you know, you'd hope. You hope. And can I can I ask then on kind of another technical question? So priest, canon, monsignor, bishop, archbishop, pope. Is yeah. that is that cardinal, the hierarchy? Cardinal, 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 pope. Yes. How, how do you how do you how do you Go up the well, ranks look, look, I'm, I'm, look, I'm still only a priest, so look, I, I have a long way to go yet. Okay. So look, I'm just hoping I need to move very quickly, you know. So what's but the next step? Look, look, for me, there's probably no other step, but look, I'll just put it this way. Um, priest, bishop and, uh, and pope are more or less, uh, you know, stay important um, administrative, if you want to use that word, okay. role. We know the role of the Pope as the centre of unity, if you want. The bishop is like the centre of a diocese and he, I am I, responsible to the bishop. I owe my obedience. If he invites me to move parish, well, obviously, I see that as God calling me to move you know, okay. whatever. Or if he wants me to do a specific uh, job, normally you wouldn't say no to him because it's it's. And we all have our obedience anyway because that's how the church works, right? Okay. And and, um, and we believe that when we do that, God works through us in a more beautiful way. Okay. Um, and and the Pope is the same, or whatever. Uh, so is the like bishop only answerable to the Pope? Or is there like an archbishop that he's... In yeah, he's, he, he, some bishops are, for example, in, in Ireland, uh, there's two or three bishops that are answerable to the Archbishop of Dublin, like the Bishop of Ferns, Kildare and Lachlan and Osprey. Those three bishops, the Archbishop of Dublin has a responsibility for them. Okay. Right? But ultimately, the Pope, they're all answerable to the Pope. Okay. Right? If, if, um, and he, the Pope can, if something happens, as can happen, the Pope can dismiss bishops. And does, the, like, is the Pope aware like has has the archbishop of dublin spoken to the pope like yes. is he aware of him oh wow okay yeah, yeah the pope would 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 the pope he'd know all his archbishops would, would know his um would maybe not intimately know him i mean he has um this man, he he would have enormously because of the pandemic he, he probably hasn't got to rome as much as he would because he would normally go to Rome when he was made Archbishop. Okay. 
which would have been, but that didn't happen in Rome, that happened in Dublin because of the pandemic. So was it kind of like the Taoiseach, he'd know all the TDs, but yes. he might not know all the councillors? That, that's a bit like that. Right, yes, okay. exactly, that's right. So, but he would, you may be sure he will get to know him okay. because he will be over uh, to Rome and he will be part of different commissions and get to know him in, in, that, in that way. I mean, maybe not know him because there's a lot of archbishops in the world. Yes, okay. Know, and all of but that. But he would have access to it. Like he and he would, would have to do I mean, it's a bit like in my parish as well. Listen, look, I don't know how many people I have in my parish. I have, give or take, you know, 4,000 houses maybe, whatever, which is probably 16,000 people. You know, so naturally you're not going to learn Every the names of everybody's name. You will know the people that are closer to you and gradually get to know one or two, maybe through, through funerals, through other events or whatever. But I like to try, I like to visit people and try and get to know people um, uh, because obviously it's really important to, to build a certain sense of family around the parish, you know. Yeah. Is there anything else that we need to cover? Oh, well, I suppose I asked in the in the Islam podcast, sorry to bring it back up again, uh, if there was an equivalent for baptism, communion, confirmation, those markings of sort of, you know, moving into childhood, prepubescent. Is, is, can we talk about those sacraments? Well, for, for me, the sacraments are expressions of the grace of God. They're, they're given at specific moments of our life. In other words, in, in other words so that... Uh, will be inspired in one way because for me for example baptism is a moment when we receive the love of God into our lives even though we're too young to understand even though we're too young to understand but then the reason we have infant baptism because of course you know they're being being baptised into the faith of their parents and godparents and so they are the ones who were the first people who pass it on to them and the same way then confirmation of course a little later communion and communion and and, and, and confession first confession and then confirmation they're all moments and the same with marriage and and, um, the sacrament of marriage and priesthood they're all moments these are more the sacraments of vocation Really, but they're given for particular people for a particular time in order to give us the grace, the strength, uh, the courage. You know, like confirmation has the seven gifts, has courage, strength, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. All of those, you know, perseverance. Has I remember those. making those posters for yes, confirmation. I know, I'm glad you didn't ask me the, the, the seven gifts because I know I get them mixed up. But <laughs> um, but they would give us the, 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 the strength for specific, in order to live our lives as a Christian. Okay. You know, um, and of course, some of them are received only once, and some can be received like like um, confession, holy communion, uh, like the sacrament of the sick. They can be received on numerous occasions. And then um, I just wanted to ask about because I think we diverge from another religion here with the body and blood of Christ. Yes. So in Christi- is it is that Catholicism and Protestantism where we're different there? Uh, in the Eucharist, you mean the understanding of the uh, yeah. body and blood of Christ. Uh, yeah, look, there there would be difference in which way in which we understand uh, we understand them. Some people, uh, some some religions believe that, like like in for me as as a Catholic, I believe that Jesus is really present in the in the in the body and blood of Christ. Okay. In the body, in the in the bread and the wine, right? Yes, I believe it. Um, maybe if people of other faiths, so the Orthodox would feel the same way. People of other faiths might feel that Jesus is not. 
not really present in the in in the substance. It's just he a representation. A, a, just a representation of or whatever. Um, but uh, these are there are differences in other little ways as well. But uh, our hope is that as time goes on, we can find a way to be to be united and to resolve any difference because there are differences of faith, there are different um, ways of understanding the, the, our beliefs. You know, for example, even in the creed that we say together, there are little differences. So uh, our hope would be that as the ecumenical movement continues to work ahead and the dialogue which, which is going on between the different churches, that we, we can find a way to resolve all the different issues and that Christian unity will soon be realised. Because that's what Jesus wanted. He said, may, he prayed, his last prayer before he died was that may they all be one. That was his final prayer. All Christian faiths be one. Yes. Do you think there's anything else that people need to know that I have that I have overlooked or that we haven't covered? Um, off off the top of my head, I can't think. I no, can't I think th- of anything. I think we've t- we've touched on a lot. Of, there's probably a lot more we could touch on. You know, uh, you know, in a way, but they're more incidental things, really. You yes. know, obviously we've touched on prayer. We've touched on the structure of the church. We've touched on, you know, on the basic. Um, um, I think the basic meaning of Christianity, really. Yeah. You know, and all of that. Look, but um, no, look. I, I just for me, it's an extraordinary. Um, um, extraordinary vocation, really. You know, for me uh, to be able to uh, to be able to do this, you know, to uh, to feel. And each day, I see I see little ways in which God. You mentioned earlier when you live in a certain way, you feel happy. Yeah, that is something that people don't realise. I think that the more you actually help others, the more you reach out to others. I remember a friend of mine we used to work in the prison, and he said to me, you know, he said. The prison were doing these um, braille books. Where okay. I don't know. They were for obviously the made brain book for the blind. Yeah. And he said at Christmas, a few of the blind people came in. They had a little get together with some of the prisoners, and they showed them how they were able to read them and how well, how they used them. And he said that in January, when they went back, they worked twice as hard because suddenly they realised the good that they were doing for other people. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's the same way. I think that is something that that people look for me to to live by the gospel and to live the words of Jesus is the secret of happiness as well. You know, so many people I think go around depressed and they're worried about this worry and that worry. And sometimes Jesus asks us, don't focus so much on yourself. Yeah. Think of the person next to you. Think of that person there who needs, needs you to listen to them. That person who has lost their father or their husband or whatever the case may be. Look at that person. Reach out to them. And when you help them, you will find you will find happiness yeah. inside. And I don't even sometimes think about it in terms of Christianity, but I definitely know if I'm yes. having a bad day, I have one particular friend that I call yes. and she'll just say, OK, I've heard you. You know, you sound like you're having a tough time. Go out and be of service. Go out and help somebody else. Ring somebody else. Ask how they're doing. And and, and sometimes I resent it in the moment because yes, I'm like, right. but me, me, me. Yes, but I do yes. find that when I'm helping other people, even like... I know the self-esteem I get if I see somebody drop their wallet and I run after them to bring yeah, it to them. I always right. feel like I am a good person. Right. Yeah, no, and and, I, and, yes. I, and I, I love yes. that. Um, yes. It's kind of like what no. you're saying. No, it gives it, no, there's no, it just gives a great kick whenever something like that happens really, whatever, you know, and, and, I, and I do feel, you know, it sets off also, it sets off um, like, like a stone in the, like you throw in the water, you know, it sets off a ripple effect. Yeah. 
that you person know, who I handed back to you feels like the world is a better place. That they are enriched and they in turn go and re- and I, I, I genuinely believe that that goodness. Um, that goodness and God goes ahead. The love of God goes around the world in a way that we would never imagine. I see this in little ways that have happened. You know, you see, the, you see how God touches lives, works little miracles day by day. Um, it's an extraordinary life, you know. Thank you so much for joining me, Father Hugh. Um, and thank you for listening. That is another episode of Basically. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to support us and become a Headstuff podcast member and get access to extra bonus material you can become a Headstuff Podcast member on headstuffpodcast.com forward slash register uh, our music is by Only Ruin our graphic design is by Carlo Gara Tara McCamley was our producer today and we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network see you next week This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.